Welcome, everybody, to the Tea with Miss McGill show presented by our friends over at Fortune Bay Resort and Casino. It is Puka speaking. It is the star of the show, Reed Larson. It is a very special guest that we will have Reed introduce us to in just a couple of seconds here. Episode 65, so we appreciate you all joining us. I want to start out with one of our partners here, Aspire Heating and Control. See the frost warning tonight? I did. Well, you're a football coach. Yeah, you I know. Did. We you know the frost. You've got to pay attention to the weather. So frost warning tonight. So we're kind of coming off that air conditioning season. Heating season is coming. So if you need that heater tuned up, Aspire Heating Control, your local Bryant dealer. And the Bryant is the official heating and cooling company of your Minnesota Wild. Uh, Aspire specializes in gas, electronic, hydronic, and, and hydronic heating and cooling systems for new and existing Construction, residential and commercial installations available, forced air systems, boilers, heat pumps, mini splits. They are, of course, licensed and bonded. Give Justin a call, 218-999-5957, 999-5957. Again, um, get that heater tuned up so you're ready to go when it's 40 below in 100 days or so from now. Isn't that funny? Like, we're <laughs> seriously two weekends ago. Yeah, it's labored in 95, 95 degrees. Three days in a row. We're and now we're looking at frost. frost so <laughs> at any rate, it's fire heating control. Gotta love Northern Minnesota. You got it. All right. Look at this good looking guy. You better introduce him. Yeah. So we're here for episode 65, Tea with Miss McGill. And we're ending with our interview season. We start the regular show coming up in October. We're ending with a very special guest that is near and dear to me because I spent some time in Virginia and got to know the family really well. We got Garrett Hendrickson here from Augsburg University. Garrett is a former high school star, ladies and gentlemen, at Virginia High School back in 09. Did you start as a ninth grader? It was 08, 09, 10, and 11? Or was yep. it yeah, I, got, I played yeah freshman year to senior year, so... I think 07, 08 was my first year and then graduating 11. Nice, nice. So Virginia High School, we're going to dip into how Coach Hendrickson started with his playing career. And this has got a long chain <laughs> of Hendrickson's that started coaching. And I'll start this off before we get into his story, just going back in time that I always thought, okay, I'm going to be the head coach in Virginia for a short period of time because another Hendrickson is going to come in and take the job. There's another guy in the generation. <laughs> Her grandfather was the head coach at Virginia High School. Uh, there was another coach or two in between, and your dad became the head coach at Virginia High School. I came in after your dad. Another couple, couple coaches came into the mix. I thought, geez, maybe Garrett is grooming himself. He was going to take high school position. You've gone to different levels of coaching. Now the new head coach, newly named Correct. head coach of Augsburg University, Garrett Hendrickson, ladies and gentlemen. Garrett, tell us about your start in the game. What was it like being a Hendrickson with all this hockey <laughs> tradition in Virginia and started? How'd you get started? Playing? Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, the cliche story, outdoor rink in your yard, but that's true. So my dad froze his butt off many nights, uh, just freezing the, a little pond or not a pond, but a little rink in the yard for me. And uh, it started out tiny, like probably like tabletop size. And I was just walking around on skates. And then the older I got, the bigger it got. Um, and then I think it eventually had lines and logos on it and stuff. Um, so that's how it started. And then obviously 
got into the youth stuff in Virginia and then just, you know, played, um, all the way up till high school. And then, um, so that's how I got started and then went to, uh, juniors from there and then college and then coaching. So, yeah. Just- so a, a little bit about youth, you, you know, you, dad's the high school coach at this point in time. He's been the high school coach since 1986, 87 ish time frame yeah, when he started. Yeah, Virginia. I don't remember the exact year, but it was either '86 or '87 that he became the head coach. So this is going back. He's the head coach, but his kid is playing youth hockey. He played through the mini mites, uh, termites, mini mites, the squirts. Uh, this very interesting because the Virginia hockey program, and it's like I said, it's near and dear because I spent seven years as a head coach there after your father. Um, but done a little different in Virginia than some of the bigger areas. Like there, there's a real good push for development at that age level. And your dad was a pioneer starting that. He, he was the guy that said, Hey, you know what? We want to have our squirt groups. We don't care about a and B and squirts. And I really kind of agreed with them. It's a small town in the East range, Evelyn, Virginia, you know, at the time, Sabi East was involved in it. Greenway was involved in it. Grand Rapids was kind of in their own little area West and it really kind of play into that idea. But the area consumed themselves with we're just gonna call it b squirts but we're not gonna go i'm gonna put a's together when they're 10 years old and i really thought you know there's a lot of people think we got to go with a squirts and try to get the best 10 kids on the ice and your dad was a pioneer of saying let's get all these kids on the ice and develop them all regardless and it, it was a big reason why we had so many kids playing in Virginia and why there was so much success. So you remember the, the squirt years and what it looked like? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's a ways back. I can vaguely remember mine. Yeah. But I can go off that. Like you just like say Matt Niskin um, didn't make the A team as a squirt. Like maybe he doesn't play hockey. Maybe he quits and yeah. then he doesn't, he doesn't develop and go to the NHL. So um, I think it, I still agree with it today. I think that's how a lot of youth programs should, should be run. Um, I do get once you get the size, right? Yeah. Just small towns, especially. Yeah. yeah you, you don't want to, you don't want to scare numbers away in small towns. So I think, you know, at that age, it's just, just go out and have fun. Like wins and losses, it shouldn't matter. Um, obviously Pee-wee's Bantam's a little different. Things start getting, getting a little more serious, but yeah, he, he was, uh, he knew what he was doing. So yeah, I'm proud. He battled the scrutiny too. There, there were people let's not, let's not lie (laughs) and and tell ourselves something that's not true. There are people that knocked on the door. There are people that made phone calls and said, I want my kid playing with the best five or six kids so that they, we can develop the better kids. And your dad stuck to his guns. You had, you got to hand it out to him. He stuck to his guns and said, no, this is the way I want to do things here because I believe that it's right. And I got to agree, in a small town like that, Evelith, Virginia, Hibbing, Greenway, Falls, Masabi East, and even some of the Duluth schools were starting to get involved in doing some of that stuff. Like, hey, let's, it's different when you're in a bigger city. Okay. Okay. You got a city that has numbers where they can pull seven different squirt teams. Yeah. You maybe can take a team and put 15 of the best kids together and call them squirt A team. But you right. had a, a sport program with 45 kids total. Yep. You might as well develop them all. Right. It's like yep. you said, if 
uh, Nico Sacchetti or Matt Niskanen doesn't make it, maybe they don't play and they quit because they weren't one of the best 15 kids. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there were, there were many guys that didn't even make the PUA team and they were good varsity players, teammates of mine, uh, scored big goals. Um, so you just, there's, you know, you never know when you're going to hit your ceiling. And not, I mean, one guy I can think about my best friend from high school is Jordan Krebsbach, but his brother, Mark, um, I don't know how many A teams he made at the Bantams and Wee level. And then his sophomore year, my senior year, we're playing Duluth Marshall and Hibbing and he scores the OT winner in double overtime. And yeah, you just never know. So Mark's, um, Mark Krugsbach was one of the players that was a huge part of the very first team that I coached in Virginia in 11, 12. He was yep. a part of that team and he was one of our best players. And if that kid doesn't play, we, we don't have any success. So right. did your dad have time to coach you when you were in the youth because he was busy with the high school? he never coached me until I got to high school. So my freshman year was his first year coaching me, but you know, just living with them and being around the rink all the time. I feel like he coached me my whole life. So, <laughs> um, so yes, yeah. you get through the squirt program and you, you reel into the peewees. What kind of success did you see through peewees and Bantams as far as chances to go to state tournaments, things of that nature? What kind of success did you and your team see? Yeah, that's when things started getting a little bit more clear for me. Um, awesome coaches we had at the Peewee level when I was playing. We had Todd McGillivray and um, uh, Tony Sacchetti, and they were awesome. Like, I still thank them to this day, like, for the player I became um, and coach. So they were the two first pieces, I would think, um, for me, you know, like looking up to coaches at a young age. Um, still fish with Todd on opening fishing, and I still bring up um, the district game we played against I Falls to get to the regions. We It's a crazy game. We scored with like one second left, and then we scored right away in overtime. We still talk about it today. So, um, yeah, I was I was, uh, I was was tiny when I was a Peewee, so I, I didn't know if I was going to make the A team or what because um, you could check at that level. So wasn't sure what was going to happen. Ended up making the A team, luckily. Um, and it was, it was awesome. I loved every second of Peewees and I think we made it to regions both, both years, but we never made it to the state tournament. I, I don't know how it is now, but I think it might've been a little tougher back then. Cause there wasn't, there wasn't a or double a, it was, you just played everybody. So we were playing the best of the best from every city. So we were playing the best Moorhead team in regions to try to get the state and um, it was, it was a tough task to get the state when I was playing in Peewee's. Going up against yeah. the Duluth Easts of the area and the Grand Rapids teams that were good back in those days. And yep. it's funny because yeah, in Hermantown and, 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 and you're talking about, a, a an excellent PWA coach that you had in Todd McGilvery. I had a number of conversations with him when I was there in Virginia. And I remember when I took the job, some of these coaches that were coaching, your dad put these coaches in like this yep. McGilvery was one of his best friends. Yeah, he sat down with these guys. It's funny because I remember talking to your dad about this. He's like, you know, there's going to be a bunch of guys that are ready to kind of hang it up. They've been doing it with me for a long time. You're going to have to find people that you trust that have your philosophy that you can teach to get into the U spots. And he said, I'm here to tell you that Todd McGilvery, before he started coaching Peewees, did not know very much about the game in terms of coaching. 
Right. He learned it was baptism by fire. He sat with your dad. Your dad talked to him. He worked. He and he became a phenomenal coach. That and I've heard that from more than just you and a lot of different Virginia people that he was one of my favorite coaches in Virginia. He was awesome. And it was connections with kids. It was pushing them to the brink. It was, and you can learn the X's and the O's. That's something that we could teach coaches as X's and O's. You can't teach personality and how people deal with kids and their families. And that's one of the things I remember Keith telling me about Todd is that he was really, really good with that. Do you agree? I do. Yeah. He's, yeah, I'll never forget him. Um, obviously still talk to him quite a bit today and fish with him. And I enjoy every second I'm still with him and just reminiscing about those good times and, um, just a good human being overall. So he's, he was a special one to get, to get into Virginia hockey. That's for sure. That's, that's what I hear. That's the rumor. Yeah, He was going to my dad's high school practices with like a notepad and just writing stuff down. Like he, yeah, he had no clue on, on how to coach really. He'll tell you that. Um, so it's just pretty cool on the great coach he became just by learning and, and just studying the game and never, never uh closed mind to learn new things and and new philosophies and, and that type of thing he was he was great so that would be a coach that you would take that you would say i took something out of his book of tricks to, oh to, for sure for sure yeah yeah all right real quick here we're going to uh, mention a little word from our friends over at the ring sports bar and grill just down from the u.s hockey hall of fame breakfast full bar full menu friday fish fries and of course daily specials and a cool hockey themed establishment uh, 248-8582. You can give them a buzz or the ring sports bar and grill.com. You can order in advance. Um, Michelle, take good care of you. Like we talked about the breakout rooms. If you have any type of functions, they've got the breakout rooms there. So like I said, just down for the hockey hall of fame, right on highway 53, the ring sports bar and grill in Evelyn. All right. How about the Bantam years? Same, same level of success as, as Peewee's? Pretty similar. Actually, we never made it to state, but I think we made it to, regions a couple times and just couldn't beat the the big cities um but yeah brent uh, brent robillard and Derek lamper were my coaches um they were really good too i like i enjoyed it both years with them um taught me a lot um to keep developing and what it took to get to the next level um at the high school level so yeah um you know, Robillard had kind of a he he's a guy that he was a phenomenal coach. He's a great Bantam coach. He actually had he's a guy that comes in that again connection with your dad and your dad reeled him in. He's actually an Evleth native, right? And that was yes. a tough pill to swallow because he was an assistant coach with Homola over in Evleth when they're winning state championships. Okay. And your dad says, Hey, you how about you come over here and help in Virginia? There was some coaching changes over there. Robes gets moved over to Virginia. Your dad grooms him into the Bantam coach that he wants because he's got experience in bringing guys to the high school level. So there was success there. And again, you're going through the time frame where still a it just one class, right? It hadn't changed yet. Yep. Yeah. I remember, I think, I don't think I'm mixing Peewees and Bantams out. I think we went to Moorhead, Bantam regions, and we lost to Duluth East and we had and then we beat East Grand Forks, and then we lost to, I want to say Brainerd, maybe. Um, so those are pretty big schools. They were good. Um, Duluth East, I think, beat us like 10 to 1. So, <laughs> um, and then East Grand Forks was a bunch of big guys, um, farm boys, and I think we beat them like 3-2, I want to say. I might be getting stuff mixed up. 
And then we uh, lost to Moorhead, I think, like, or uh, Brainerd, like 6-3, I think, or something like that. I can't remember, but I know one region two was uh, in Virginia, actually. I think uh, we ended up playing, I think we beat East, we lost to Rozo, maybe, beat East Grand Forks, and then lost to Moorhead. Um, so we didn't go to state, but that was in Virginia. So that was awesome to host the region tournament. The making regions was always a big deal. And you well, I was. Did that twice in youth and that was fun. You know, and, and yeah. you, you played a difficult schedule only having one class through peewees and bantams, which kind of set the tone for high school hockey. You go in as a freshman, you have four years to play with, play for your dad at Virginia high school and in that time frame, there's a few trips to the state tournament. Yeah, how many? Two, right? There's two, yeah. right? We went my sophomore year and junior. And ten. Yep. 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 So before we get into that, because we, I could actually have an entire show talking about those teams, because I remember sitting down and having conversations with a couple of adult beverages and down with your dad and talking about those years when I first <laughs> took the job and what did you do and how can I try to – recreate or continue and we talk about it forever but i gotta ask one question before we get into that what how, how do you feel when you walk in knowing that back in the day you played in the the brie cupoletti arena at the miners memorial building and now you walk in and it's a different wreck what's your feelings you guys are gonna laugh about this but i've actually never stepped foot yet in the new ring wow well you're you're down in the city so i don't blame you you but there might be a few times where you get a chance to come back so you haven't set foot into the new rink yet no i uh i've been through virginia a few times i've thought about it but i'm not ready yet so (laughs) i don't blame you uh it was it was a surreal moment the first time i went in there and fortunately for me the first time i stepped into that rink I was working. I was doing a game for my nine and we're covering a a Virginia game uh, or was it Rockridge at the time? I don't remember if it was, I think it was still Virginia, but I walked to to cover a game with Bob Cohen on TV. So I didn't really get a chance to soak it in and think about it. How is this compared to the coop, the Brie Coop bloody, uh, the Miners Memorial talk about real quick, just thinking about, going to the minors building and you are a sophomore, junior, senior in front of a crowd when Hibbing is in town. Yeah. Uh, you don't forget those ones. Um, I don't know if it'll, I don't know what the new rink's like. I mean, but I don't know if you can recreate that atmosphere. Um, it was, it was crazy. They're right on top of you. Um, can't see it. Can't see a seat anywhere. Can't see like a a space anywhere like everyone's just jammed standing it was it was yeah. crazy um you had the band up top by the between the two concession stands uh the pom-pom girls dancing it was it was wild it, it gave you goosebumps you get a breakaway you can't hear yourself like skating it's just like that that yeah. roar. um yeah it's it was pretty special um but even playing hibbing in hibbing it's the same thing i mean that place is packed just when we played having anywhere. It was, it was pretty intense. It was crazy. So that's had some good matchups over four years of, of playing having in, in your time of freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, how many times of those four years did you meet Hibbing in the section finals? All four or three out of the four? Um, just three. 
Just three. One of those years, Marshall went to the state tournament, I believe. Yeah, Marshall beat us my freshman year in Hibbing to go play. I think they played Hibbing in the finals, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hibbing was in the finals for I don't know how many years straight in a row, and then Virginia hits the kick. They the, the first time the state tournament for Virginia for the listeners was 2005, right? And that's yep. the of Then yep. there was a little break for a couple of years, and then it was um, 09 and 2010, back-to-back years. So those are the three trips to the state tournament for Virginia High School. But in your years, it was three years in a row of being in the section finals versus Hibbing. The first two, you guys had success. Yep. You got a chance to go down and play at the X. Uh, who did you play the first year in 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 twenty in two thousand nine? Yeah, we played Little Falls. Um, they were they were stacked. They had Ben Hanowski, who still leads the state in scoring all time. A um, couple other bigger names that played Division One. Um, I don't know if they played past that, but they were a good team. Um, and we lost, I want to say six, three, maybe, um, he had all six goals, Ben Hanowski did. So he was a good player, went on to play at St. Cloud. Um, and then that's kind of one of the reasons that I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, I committed to St. Cloud state. I went on my recruiting visit. He was there along with Drew LeBlanc. Um, and they kind of talked me into going there. So, um, I remember him scoring six goals against us at the state tournament. And then obviously, maybe getting a chance to play with him in college. So that kind of was one of the reasons I ended up picking going there. And then, uh, yeah, and then we got booted to Mariucci after that game. So, yeah, so the, the unfortunate story is, is there's, there's three trips in the tenure of the Virginia Blue Devils where they made trips to the state tournament. But correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we won a first round game ever. I think it was always – one and then we go to the huge the next game and it was oh five they lost in the first round i think they lost to st thomas academy yep they had I, yeah jordan trader was like an eighth grader and he had yep. a bunch of goals i think niski scored the first goal though so we had some hope early and then yeah didn't so well but yep. so yeah. let me let me go back to these section finals so your senior year obviously that's again i call them chisholm hibbing and I hate to bring it up, but I but I have to bring it up. That first shift, right? If I remember right, you got the breakaway against Trump. <laughs> yeah, that was eleven. You know, I said, okay, your senior year. Then. Yeah, that was my senior year. I mean, everyone's watching that, and you're going to score that goal, right? I mean, everyone knows. You know, if you score that goal, I mean, just be honest. You score that goal, you think you win the game because I'm a hibbing guy. But I think, I mean, you guys were the favorites. I think if you score that goal that early on, the yeah. Blue Devils probably win that game. I think so. Yeah. I still think about that every now and then. Um, was, did, did, did you do the move you wanted? Did Trump just get you or did you fumble? I, I just can't remember. So I did. I scored on him quite a bit in my career. Um, and I always went a lot of times, even in like HPs and stuff when in practice and stuff, I had his number going backhand five hole, like on the ice. Um, so I was like, he probably thinks, I mean, I've scored on him since PU, he's doing that or whatever, Bantams, he's probably thinking I'm going to do it. So I remember that quick thought and I tried to go top shelf and I didn't get it all. And I think it went in his glove, like right in his glove. So <laughs> screwed up there. So that's I a horror story. Yeah. Ball. Cause you, you broke every, I mean, you got in that break when I think every, everybody in hitting the hearts just sank like, Oh no, no, not rate this, but not like it was in the first, first shift, I believe. Right. First minute, yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. 
I'm thinking, oh gosh. Well, and I think that's, <laughs> I think that's a difference maker uh, too, as well. I think, you know, part of you were a Mr. Hockey candidate that year, your senior year, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think if you guys win that game and you're down and you take the Virginia Blue Devils to the state tournament for the third year in a row, I think Garrett Hendrickson is Mr. Hockey that year, to be honest with you. I think there are some pretty good candidates. I think that's a pretty easy sell to the people that are voting on that, that that makes a huge difference. Well, look at some of these. I looked up some of your numbers. I didn't have your freshman numbers, but sophomore year, 51 points. Junior year, 66 points. Senior year, 72 points for 189 points, and I'm missing a year. That's those are some pretty good numbers. Are you the all-time Virginia point leader by any chance? Do you know? I am. I actually the reason I know is because I have a plaque um that I got. So I think it ended up being like 252 or something points overall. Um so yeah, that's it's pretty <laughs> impressive considering that considering some of the guys that came from there in recent years and you know, it's pretty humble to be able to say that and say you've been able to to score that many points, that, you know, in a four-year tenure playing there. There's guys that came through there like Niski that played there, and he played four years. There's guys like Nico Sacchetti that played there, ended up at the U. You know, unfortunately for Nico, he didn't come back his senior year. So I think if he comes yeah, back. Yeah, I think he would have beat me if he would have played he four years. He may have. He may have. But he might, maybe cold. not. Who knows? The guy had one of the hardest shots I've ever seen a high school player rip off a snapper harder than I could take a slap shot. And Nisky was a defenseman too, so. Yep. Well, even Weston. He yep. almost had a lot of points. Westy yep, had. He did, yeah. He's the reason I had a lot because he was a good <laughs> playmaker, so. Yeah. I don't know sure. that up. You know, he watches the show. Don't do it. <laughs> well, yeah. we're, we're going to hear another note from uh, some of our support here, and we'll get back into it. Yeah. Quick word from our friends over at Iron Range Apparel, ODR swag and such. So in the Thunderbird Mall, I call it the Gift Buyer's Paradise. If you're looking for a gift for he, she, him, her, uh, young boy, teenage girl, this is the place you go. Of course, they are the official home of ODR swag. So they got the, the ODR hats, jerseys, sweatshirts, tees, everything. But like I said, they've, they've, they've got a little bit for everybody. So if you're looking for that perfect gift, head over to the Thunderbird Mall and check out Iron Range Apparel. All right, one, one real... Oh, all right, welcome back to the Two with Miss McGill show. Just want to give a shout out to our friends up at Fortune Bay Resort and Casino. Make plans today to visit Fortune Bay Resort and Casino on beautiful Lake Vermilion. Fortune Bay has 172 rooms and a smoke-free resort, indoor pool, full-service marina, RV park, world-class golf, as we all know. Several dining options, bar, 24-7 gaming, of course. So visit fortunebay.com for details and plan your trip to Fortune Bay Today they have a lot of my golf balls in the woods. In the woods, ooh, yeah. so kids, yeah. get out there! You can make some money. Put them in uh, where they put them in uh, egg cartons, right? And yeah, sell. you got <laughs> it. You got it. All right. So we kind of went through the high school years. Then you went off to Penn Tipton, which was you or someone around your generation. The first time I ever heard of them. But there was kind of a, a pipeline of guys from kind of the Arrowhead of, of Minnesota that went there. Well, not a pipeline, but there was a handful of guys that went there. Like I said, Freddie I H. I had never because that's what I was going to say. Who was because maybe you and I must have talked, but uh, how did you end up there? And you're like, kind of like, who was the guy that was getting these northern Minnesota guys to go all the way to the Pacific Ocean to play junior hockey? Yeah, I had never heard of it either when I was in high school. Um, so, like I said earlier, I was supposed to go to St. Cloud. So, Bob Monsko was the coach there, and he, uh, he told me I was going out there to play juniors. So 
that's how I ended up going out there. Um, I didn't really have a say. Um, so went out there, didn't know where it was, never heard of them before. Um, knew a couple other Minnesota guys were going out there. So, um, I said, why not? So me and my family actually drove out there and made a little vacation out of it. We did the Yellowstone route and, um, yeah, it was beautiful out there. So, uh, made me grow up quick, you know, coming from a small town, um, kind of being, being the man, um, eyes wide open when I got there. Wasn't, wasn't the man anymore. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, a uh, probably what I needed, um, to grow up a little and become a better hockey player. So yeah, I ended up going out there and then I ended up being traded to salmon arm. Like, I think I played 17 games for Penticton, um, wasn't getting the ice time that I thought I needed to develop. Um, cause that's what juniors is for is to develop. And they were stacked. I think they won 52 games in a row and ended up winning, uh, all of whatever, uh, what's it called? The RBC cup. So, uh, they were good. So I, I wanted to play more, went to salmon arm, um, had another great experience there. It was awesome. Um, a lot of lifelong friends, a lot of Canadian friends that who you never thought you'd, you'd meet, um, in your lifetime. And then still talk to a few of them today. Some of them are in coaching now. So hockey, such a small world. You just, you just never know. Um, but yeah. Uh, it was a great experience for me. And then I was, I went there the next year to start the year in salmon arm again. And then the NHL lockout happened. So it was like a trickle down effect all the way to that league. So we had like WHL guys that just showed up one day into our locker room. And the coach called me in and told me that the Americans are, are being sent home or traded or whatnot. And I think I had the option to like go to Flin Flon or go home and find a team. And I was like, I'll just go back to the U S so ended up playing in the NA for the Cooley region chill. Um, I don't think they're not a team anymore, um, but they lasted about 10 years, I think in the NA. Um, we had a pretty good team. There too, I see. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good team. Um, we didn't, when I say that we didn't make the playoffs, but there's a lot of good players on the team. Um, good experience for me. AJ Dagenhart was the coach. He was a Wisconsin Badger, um, won a national championship there. Um, great coach. So yeah, that was kind of my junior path in a nutshell right there. Um, yeah, so the junior path and just to kind of help the listeners with, you know, you talk about, you were committed to St. Cloud state. Bob Motzko was the coach. Uh, when Craig Dahl was the coach, at St. Cloud State, he had an assistant coach by the name of Fred Harbinson. Freddie Harbinson uh, is a Canadian the, from Alberta that spent a little bit of time in Minnesota himself playing. He played at the University of Wisconsin Superior, which is where I played. So I know Freddie Harbinson because he's alumni of UWS. Freddie graduated from UWS, got into his coaching, became a coaching legend uh, in the British Columbian League. Actually, was coaching in. Fernie Bridges, British Columbia, when I played in the American West League, he was a head coach there. He got pulled in out of that league into St. Cloud State to be the assistant with Craig Dahl. He had a pipeline and a uh, and a relationship with Bob Mosco when he took the job. And good relationship when Bob Mosco says you're going to Penticton, that's because he wants you to play for Freddie Harvinson. So he sent you there for that reason. Um 
there's a lot of people uh, still to this day that if there's that connection there, even with St. Cloud with different coaches, there's still that connection with Freddie. Freddie is a phenomenal coach, and you probably attest to that. I'm sure going there, things are done a little bit different than a lot of different junior places. And he's a legend in British Columbian League. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. Uh, you go to Salmon Arm, you end up in Cooley Region. Cooley Region is down in like on Alaska, lacrosse area, Wisconsin. That yep. was a, a, a good little fix there. Um, so you had your junior experience, and then for whatever reason, Seacloud State's not the path. The pla- the path for you is Concordia. Talk about that. Yeah, so when when uh talked with Bob and, you know, we just came to the conclusion it wasn't going to be the right fit for me. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was talking to a few other D1 teams and a lot of D3 teams. And my best friend from high school, Jordan Krebsbach, was going to – he was playing UND tennis out in North Dakota after high school. Um, and then he's like, hey, I'm going to start playing hockey again. I'm going to Concordia. So then I just looked into it and I knew a bunch of guys going there um, that I played juniors against and, and played HPs with. Um, so I'm like, that's where I'm going. I just want to play, have fun, um, enjoy four years of college, get a degree and and see what happens. So uh, that's kind of how I ended up there. And I don't regret it. It was awesome. Made a connection uh, with Coach Howe? Yeah, yeah. Chris Howe was there. Um, he just let us play. He just let us be ourselves. Um yeah, still talk to him to this day. He's a, he's, he was a good mentor. Um, so yeah, I, I had a good experience there. Met my wife. Um, she was a goalie on the women's team. Um, and yeah, we just got married in April. So who knows what would have happened if I didn't go there? I'm who knows where I'd be today. So I don't get it. Well, that was the, that was the kind of the, the college experience. You had a four year experience. What kind of success did you guys see at Concordia? Yeah, we made the playoffs every year. Um, we were right there. Um, unfortunately, just couldn't get over the hump. We lost a couple overtime games in the playoffs. Um, my senior year, we beat Hamlin and then lost to St. Thomas. So St. Thomas ended my career back before they were D1. Um, but, yeah, we, we had some good teams. We had a lot of good players. Majority of us were NA players. Um uh, yeah, we were good. Uh, we just couldn't get over the hump to to make a run for the national tournament. So my first stint to that was when I got here coaching, which we can get into a little later. But yeah, for um, sure. yeah, uh, it was we were good. We just like I said, we just couldn't get it done. Couldn't get it done. So you you have your four years of success at Concordia, and. I like to backpedal just a little bit back in 2011 and the, in the summer of 2011 was when I took the head coaching job over at Virginia after your dad had retired after coaching for 25 years. And one of the first people that I get introduced to, when I walk into the parking lot, I'm stepping in and summer hockey camp is going on and I'm not involved in the summer hockey camp. It's still your dad's camp. And I walk in there and I meet you. You're going in to work out in the back rink weight room with Matt Niskanen. And Coach Trukel introduces me to you and says, this is Garrett Hendrickson. It's Keith's boy. He's going to St. Cloud, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to keep these connections with all these alumni. I get connected with Matt Niskanen. I get connected with you. So that the following year, 
when the camp, the summer hockey camp becomes mine, it gets turned over from your dad to me. I take the hockey camp over with Coach Strukel, and I start talking to alumni. And one of those alumni, I said, I'm going to get Keith's kid over here. I'm going to get Garrett going. I know he's playing juniors, but I want him coaching our little guy. So I stick you out on the ice with Coach Krybeck, who's been coaching for a bunch of years, and you're running the peewees. And I remember Coach Garrett out there working with the little guys and – well, you know, what, what kind of stuff should we be doing and this and that? And I just remember sitting down with you and Todd and Todd had some good stuff. You had some good things you remember from doing and practices. And I'm like, you guys got this thing. I trust what you're doing, get skill work, get this stuff. And I remember watching it. It was like watching somebody begin a career. It was <laughs> fun to watch you. you remember those days out there? What do you remember from doing that summer hockey camp in the back rink? Yeah, I remember seems like it just all kind of blurs together being in the camps my whole life and then coaching uh, I think till I was with the wilderness I think I was my last year coaching um at those camps but I remember yeah I do remember exactly what you're talking about um going out there with Todd and he taught me a lot you know how to handle younger kids that age um and just you know how to talk to them how to like get them to understand what you're saying because I remember he said something to me. Uh, he might not even remember this, but he said something like, uh, they don't think the game like you because they're like 12 or however old they were. So uh, right. you got to actually like explain what you're talking about. Like you have to go into, you know, detail. And so I think that obviously helped me become a better coach, just learning the way like that. Kind of like, yeah, they might not see the game like I do. So I got to actually explain stuff, um, things like that. So I remember that kind of like being my first eye opener to like, okay, as a coach, you have to really explain things, especially to like peewees. So um, definitely remember that some, some frozen toes though. That's for sure. I remember that. <laughs> that back rink was not warm by any stretch of the imagination. It was made for developing tough hockey players. No question about it. Yeah. So you get, uh, I think you were with me for, uh, I think I had that camp for six summers uh, where Coach Struco and I ran that camp with the, with our other assistant coaches and some alumni helping with that. Scotty Kishel came out and helped a little bit. Niskanen came out and helped. You were out there with Todd Kryback. Other, some other guys came out and helped. I had that. You did it for all six years. That I think I, I had a, I might've had a gap in college where I worked at, worked yeah. in Moorhead. I don't think I came back. But then I, the last I think I came back. Yeah, when I started coaching, I did it a couple of years. I can't remember if you were still there or not. Maybe uh, Finn Seth might have yeah, been. Yeah, Kale had taken over at that point. So after that, you know, you're done. You play. You get a little bit more coaching experience, and and the one that I think of, and maybe I'm off by a little bit, but the one I think of that really kind of started the team experience for you, rather than the camps. You get started, Coach Krybeck gets the head coaching job with junior team over in Hoyt Lakes, the Minnesota Iron Rangers, and he says, I want Garrett to come in and help me. Was that was that your first real coaching job, or did you have other ones that kind of groomed you for that? Oh, that was it. Um, so credit to you for putting me with Todd at Pewee's. Maybe that <laughs> you started happened. a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I remember where I was. I was in Music 101 in my senior year of uh, college, and it was coming to an end of school and I was graduating. He texted me and I was like, yep, I want to do it. Um, it was volunteer. I think I got like a $250 gas car driving from Virginia to White Lakes every day, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a good experience for me. Although we were, weren't the best team. I think we won like six games 
<laughs> my first year. Um, but it was a good learning experience on how to uh, like bring kids in, meet with kid one, kids one-on-one, -on -one, cut kids, tell kids they're not good enough to make it, send, trade them, send them home. Um, that was actually really hard for me because I'm a big softy. So to like cut a kid, I was like, how, how are we doing this right now? And so that was a good experience for me um, watching Todd do that and get involved um, on the junior side of things. Cause it's, it is a business. So not everyone makes a team at, at that level. So one it was really two, good. Did you do that for one or two years? Just one. So just one. Yep. Yep. Um, thought I was going to go back and then I was out fishing and the wilderness ended up calling me. Um, and that was, uh, paid a little more. So I was in Cloquet, Minnesota. So ended up going down there my next year and coaching, and uh we had a good team had a successful team um i don't think we made the playoffs but we had a lot of division one players on that team that are still playing today actually so it's fun to watch those guys that's on that team were some players you had on that team that was pretty fun so that was one year again as well yep that was one year so i sound like a suitcase um well, it sounds like a suitcase but every step that you took was in motion and it was a step in the right direction. So you make the step from the Superior International League to the North American Hockey League as an assistant coach. Then you make another move to a higher, in my opinion, a higher level team and a higher level coaching staff. We're, we're missing a year. We are. Okay. Fill yeah. me in. So after the wilderness, I... I don't know. I wanted more of a challenge. Um, so the SI, the Wisconsin Lumberjacks, they called me and they were, I don't know if poaching is the right word, but they're like, come coach here. Like you'll get a lot, you know, you'll do a lot. We're a new team. Um, and I wanted a challenge. I got the associate head coach title. So it was more of a head coaching role. Um, so yeah, I went there for a year and then COVID shut us down. So we can't get the CL to coach a full season. So I'm half right and half wrong. <laughs> right. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a big year for me though when it comes yes. to to development because it was I got to do a lot. I got to trade, bring my own guys in, kind of just build the team. Um, so that was really cool to see the success we started to have. We struggled early and then we had actually became pretty good and start. I think we strung like ten or eleven wins before we got shut down. I think we would have done some damage in the playoffs, but, um, was that 1819, 1920? That was 1920. Cause then COVID hit like right in right there. And what was that? And my cousin was on your team. Was Cade Moreland on your team there? Cade Moreland. Yeah. I brought him down there. Yeah. He was a big piece of our team. So yeah. And then COVID happened. I went home and I didn't know what I was going to do. And then Bismarck ended up calling me and I ended up going to Bismarck in the NA. So that was another good experience for me. Well, and I think the coaching changes, I think there was some mix up in the coaching changes going on at the wilderness in the time during that time. And I think maybe unsure about what your situation was with the wilderness lumberjacks yeah. all over there in Wisconsin. You're like, ah, oh, you know, why not? And I think, uh, I guess vaguely remember a little bit of this. I, it was foggy. I kind of forgot. I thought it was a jump right from the wilderness to Bismarck, but there was that stop in between. And apparently that role of becoming an associate head coach is ultimately giving you the experience of, of being the head coach's right-hand man. Yeah. Um, he get he, his name's Doug Lee and he gave me a lot of, a lot of rope. He actually, 
sat back a lot and just and watched me do things, which which I appreciated. Um, he had a lot of business stuff to do because um, he he was like in charge of everything, so he had lots of stuff to do behind the scenes. So he kind of just let me do a lot of the hockey stuff, um, which was great for me. So that's kind of why I jumped at that opportunity, and then the title and and salary and that type of thing was was great. Um, so it just seemed like a, a no brainer to do uh, more responsibility to grow as a coach. So that's why I made that move. So you go from there after COVID, we get back into another year. You go out to Bismarck. How many did you year, years did you spend in Bismarck with uh, Lane Sedevy and Garrett Roth at the time? Was Garrett there or did he move? Garrett? Away? I took his spot. He went to be a head coach at Wichita Falls, now Oklahoma, who just won it. Um, so I was the new Garrett, as they all called me in Bismarck. <laughs> yeah, well, at least the name was the same, right? Exactly, yep. You yeah. can also tell that story a little bit, too, because at the time, you know, before you got in there, Garrett Roth was in there, Wade Chida was in there as one of the player development guys and head scout, and then Garrett takes off, gets a head coach position in Wichita, which is now Oklahoma. Wade goes out there with him. You come in, take the assistant coaching job, and you re you guys reel in Nico in as the new Wade, and you guys are building a team. How, how was that experience in Bismarck? Yeah, it was awesome. I would say it's one of my favorites. Um, luckily enough, Lane just called me on a random, I don't know, Thursday. I didn't know what I was going to do next year, and he called me and um, didn't know how I got my number. I do now, but I didn't at the time. I'm like – and I coached against him when I was with the wilderness. And if, if anyone knows Lane, he's pretty intimidating from the outside. Like if you just look at him, he's, he's intimidating. So I'm like, Oh, Lane said, he's calling me like, okay. So, but he was great. We became good friends. We still talk more like every day. Um, good guy. He was a good mentor. Learned a lot from him. So, but yeah, I went out there to Bismarck and, um, another really good team. I think we had 18 division one players uh, that went on and played. Some are still playing as fourth years right now. Um, but great experience. We were still kind of dealing with the COVID stuff. So like masks were still a thing on the bench, that type of thing. I think we were one of the only leagues like playing. Um, we had a little bubble in Bismarck. So like Austin, St. Cloud, um, we're like living in Bismarck for, I think like almost a month. Um, so we got the season started that way and then things cooled down a little bit and became more normal as, as the year went on. But, um, yeah, we made the playoffs that year. I think we won the first round and then lost to Aberdeen in the second round. They were a wagon. Um, they were really good that year. So I think did they, did they win the Robertson cup that year? I think Aberdeen that, or they were in the finals. Yeah, they, they went far. I can't remember if they wanted or not, but they were, they were really good. So, so I, yeah. Yeah, this little personal connection, like <clears throat> we're touching base on a lot of these different things in connections. And that was my junior team that I played for was Bismarck. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yep. You ended up heading in there and I played Bismarck in 99 to or 80, 98, 99 was the year that I played there. Okay. So, <laughs> um, we got another ad. We got to jump no, no, in we're here. Good. We're good with ads. Okay. So we're, we're shifting gears. You you're there for one year. Yeah. Every place I was one year. So, and then you get offered a position. You, your buddies with somebody down at Augsburg. Talk about how you got into coaching college hockey. 
just a yeah. coach that comes your way. I think my junior coaching helped me get the job, just um, making the connection with Chris Brown, who was there for, I think he coached 15, 16 years there. Um, and he lost his assistant coach and was looking for a new one. And we just, you know, he was, re- I was, uh, he was recruiting my guys in junior. So we talked quite a few times and, uh, and I wanted to get into college and I wanted, I wanted shorter bus trips and, and an, a better schedule and just more of a, I don't know what college lifestyle, I guess, like 25 games, have the guys for four years instead of one year or six months or however long they, they last on the team. Um, the bus trip, sleep in your own bed every night. That was appealing to me. So um, yeah, when he called me um, about the possibility, I, you know, looked into it and jumped on it when, when it, when it came true that it, you know, it was open. Um, so I applied and got, got it. And then my first day at Augsburg, he, he left, Chris Brown left. He went and took a job in Alaska Fairbanks as an associate head coach there. So I was at Augsburg, not really knowing what was going to happen my first week there. Um, I was like, am I going to take over? Um, but they ended up hiring Greg Boume, um, who was an alum, he was a high school coach for Burnsville and then Farmington and Blake. Um, and he was, a he was at the U as the director of hockey ops. He like did their video stuff for two years. And then he went to St. Thomas to be the AD at the high school. And then Augsburg called him, Hey, you want to come coach? So he was, he took the head coaching job and we coached the last two seasons together. Um, I was his assistant. So well, that's pretty cool because it, your time of, of being there here for two seasons as the assistant coach. Yep. Uh, so I, I lasted more than one year at a spot. So yeah, <laughs> you did. You lasted more than a year. And Wife's got to be happy. For sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. You had a chance to, again, get a lot of rope and really kind of dig your heels into building and recruiting these teams. Like he leaned on you the course of the last three off seasons to build, build teams. And that was you, you were the recruiter basically putting these guys in here and getting teams into the playoffs. And now just this past year, finding yourselves going deep into the playoffs talk about the success that you guys saw bringing in the right players and how far did you go? Yeah. It's funny you ask. I just hired an assistant he just took the offer yesterday. So like I was talking to him about the last two seasons and it was my first time kind of reflecting on it. So that just happened today, actually. So it's, it's fresh in my mind. So my first year we had a lot of success and a lot of it was because of Chris Brown's guys. Um, none of my guys at that time or our guys um, were there. So we ended up going all the way to the frozen four. Um, I think we lost three games all season and one of them was the Mayak championship to St. Olaf, which was an ups, big upset. Um, and we thought it was the end of the world. Everything was coming down and we got an auto bid to get into the national tournament because we only lost two games at that point. So and then we beat St. Norbert in the national tournament to get to the frozen four, which was in Lake Placid where Miracle on Ice was played. And that was, that was incredible awesome. to go there. Yeah. And just, coach in that building where her Brooks coached and kind of just be in those same hallways. Um, something I'll never forget. 
I got the picture right up here. <laughs> pretty surreal uh, moment, and it's pretty cool that you talk about the route that you got to get to the Frozen Four. You had to beat St. Norbert's, which is a Midwestern team. Like, so if people understand how the how that works, it's not like it is in, in NCAA Division One. It's like you've got the West, you've got the East, and they have a few auto bids to the final eight teams that make it in. And usually it's nine teams that make it in and yeah. they have a play in game to get in. And usually they take two teams from the West to play each other, which is yeah. really funny because 2002, when I'm playing at UWS, we play in the play in game and we have to play St. Thomas in order to make it into the final eight teams of the NCAA. We play St. Thomas we beat them two to one, and then we have to play in the national tournament two game series and with a possible mini game against St. Norbert to get to the Frozen Four. So we had to beat two wagons right in a row to make it to the national tournament Frozen Four. And that happened two years in a row for us where we the Western teams really kind of get what's shafted. the word of the shafted <laughs> right they get shafted and it's interesting that you had to get through st norbert's to get to that frozen four that frozen four experience sounds awesome it was it was yeah and, that, and then that leads to the next year we had a target on our back so we kind of stepped into the season feeling a little bit of pressure but luckily like the guys that we recruited and we brought in they didn't really know any better so they were playing free but like our veterans definitely felt some pressure and some you know, the big target on our back. Everyone wanted to beat us, um, show up and play their best hockey. So we did deal with, um, you know, some adversity that season. We uh, we hit some road bumps, which we didn't have in the first season. So it was another good learning experience for me as a young coach to, to see, you know, one of those seasons where everything goes, nothing could go wrong. We're just win, win, win. And then finally hit some road bumps in year two and, um, we're just getting everyone's best hockey. So that's when you really had to like go into the, the, the toolkit and start thinking about, okay, how are we going to get these guys to start playing, you know, different hockey, better hockey, just, just play free. We were, we were playing really tight. Um, still had a really good season, successful season. We hit a little slide there, I think right after Christmas, um, dealt with it, got out of it. Um, quick story to the, the way we got out of it our bus didn't show up to pick us up to go to St. John's huh. so we ended up we ended up having to go um ourselves and and we won six to five and kind of just used that to snap out of our funk and um didn't look back and ended up winning the league winning the Mayak championship um beat St. Scholastica in, in Duluth um which was cool because grew up playing a lot of hockey there um so to win a championship there and having some Northern people in the building that I knew was, was pretty cool. And then that got us into the national tournament and we had to play uh, Stevens point, Wisconsin. And we went into four overtimes against them last season. And then when I think we got done at like one twelve in the morning, <laughs> uh, guys, guys, legs were cramping up. Um, it was, it was a crazy experience. I've never been a part of a game that long. Um, unfortunately we lost and didn't get to go to the frozen four again, but, um, definitely another experience that I'll never forget. Um, and just another, another experience that will make, hopefully, you know, make me a better coach today. So, well, your, your resume is second to 
very few young coaches that are out there. It's watching you build your coaching resume through juniors and into college and, and very blessed to be able to step into a program where Chris Brown, you know, trusted you. And then he steps out and it's you, you and you're getting things going as an assistant coach. You get a couple of years and then your head coach takes off and takes a head coach or a coaching position. He ended up with the Gophers. Yep. The, the women's team there. He's the associate head coach now at Frosty. Okay. Takes that position and the head coaching job opens up at Augsburg. And of course <laughs> you're throwing your name in the hat and in the ring. And it, it was a conversation for a good part of June and July here where I remember talking to people and people like this job is open. Who's going to get it. And I'm thinking they're dumb if they don't hire Garrett. They're dumb if they don't hire him. Young, energetic, has got some sweat equity into the program already. He's got to be the guy. You get the job offered to when? August 10th. Oh, wow. So this yeah. is about a month after I'm having these conversations right. with people in North American League. Like the job is open. I'm down at the Aberdeen camp talking with Scotty Langer and we're talking about the coaches that are going to apply for this. And all of us are saying, oh, Garrett's going to be a, a contender for this job. Hope he gets it, blah, blah, blah. And then next, you know, gets a job a month later. And so far settling into the position, you said you've hired an assistant coach. Uh, I won't ask unless you're going to offer up names who your assistant coach is going to be. Maybe you haven't announced it yet. If you have, it hasn't been announced yet, so it'll, it should be out short. So we'll let we'll let you do that in with your organization on your own. We'll we look to see who you are naming as your assistant coach here shortly. Um, but taking a look at any questions that you got, Puka, throw it at him here before right. we wrap up uh, with with uh, just wishing you some good luck. Yeah, that's all I say. Good luck. And and uh, like I said, congratulations again. We're a month into it. So uh, you got your work cut out for you. You got kind of a short time here to, to put things together. Well, we really appreciate having you on the show here on the Tea with Miss McGill and and uh, a huge shout out to to your old man, uh, Keith. Keith uh, is a, a, one of the head scouts with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights just winning the Stanley Cup here this past year. So you got a date with the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Dad's going to have the cup for a day, just like everybody in the organization gets to have. He's going to have the cup for a day. And uh, thanks so much for an invitation to be able to join you guys with that. If it works, I'd love to come and, and wrap my arms around that thing another time. It was awesome when I got to see it with Matt Niskin, and uh, I hope I get a chance to stop down. But huge shout-out to your dad and uh, an even bigger shout-out to you because your career is just starting. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the kind words. and. I do watch the show, so it's uh, it's kind of funny I'm on it right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we appreciate the views. We hope that we get more people from the area that, you know, you mentioned some names. We got some high school kids that you played with. You mentioned some names about them. Hopefully they hear about you being on the show. We get some more likes. People smash the like button, join on, subscribe to the show. We're not going anywhere. We got another season to go here coming up. Um starting here in about a month. So um, Garrett, we just want to thank you for your time. We know you're busy. You got work to do with your new assistant coach. You got to build a team and your season's right around the corner. And I want to thank you for joining us and, and wish you some good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Good luck. Thank you. Yeah.
All right. There it is. Garrett Andrickson. All right. Just a few things to wrap up here. A couple of shout outs. Jack Peart. Yeah, Jack Peart was just named onto the preseason NCHC all NCHC team. So area kid already being named onto that preseason team. No surprise to me. He's going into his junior year. He's going to be a legit player. Um, can't wait to see what he does yeah. here. Might be the might be the last year of college hockey. You never know what's going to happen with these kids. Uh, as good as he is, he's a dra- second round draft pick for the Minnesota Wild. It's a matter of time before he's putting on a Wild jersey. Yeah. So, exactly. T- enjoy so, your time playing. Exactly. And I just want to give a quick shout quick shout out to a guy my age, Jamie Langerbrenner, was announced going to be going in the Hockey Hall of Fame December sixth out in Boston. So congratulations to Jamie. All right. Anything else to add? No. So sixty five. All right. Please, like Reed was just saying, please. Uh, like and subscribe share the show if you liked it um comments of course leave your comments we appreciate that if you want to contact us goat sports media llc at gmail.com you can follow us search t with miss mcgill if you're on instagram spotify the Musi app or apple podcasts find us on twitter it's uh just t mcgill and youtube facebook you would search goat sports media llc of course, merch right here in the back. Uh, just like I said, instant message, email, all that good stuff. PayPal, Venmo, we can take all that. Um, if you'd like to advertise on the show, just email us there. Speaking of advertisers, we've got the greatest partners on earth, the Rig Sports Bar and Grill, Iron Range Apparel and ODR Apparel, Fortune Bay Resort and Casino, Aspire Heating Control, and Iron Range Goalie Academy. Ori Larson, I am Puka. Get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the Tea with Miss McGill show.